Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing show. This week we are talking Clash of the Titans. There's some huge moves going on in markets right now where some of the real juggernaut organizations are starting to flex their biceps and take advantage of some opportunities that we're starting to see created. We're going to talk about Apple versus the buy now, pay later space. We'll talk about Disney versus Netflix. And of course, richest man on the planet, Elon Musk versus Twitter. Plenty to take out of this and we'll look forward to seeing you in the show. Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing show with me, your host, Andrew Baxter, and as always, my offsider and co-host, Mitchell Laurential. Thank you for having me on the show, Mr. Baxter. Absolute pleasure to be here as always. Looking good today, looking like a titan, which is exactly the <laughs> title of today's podcast. I know these segues get better and better. Clash of the Titans. We've got a few areas to cover here, streaming, but more importantly, buy now, pay later. We've just mm. seen some new revelations in that space. We're going to digest it all today. Indeed, massive moves in this space, and it's, it's fascinating uh, for us mere mortals that are on the sidelines to to sort of see this at play when, when the real big guys roll their sleeves up and get stuck in. And uh, plenty of examples of that in the marketplace at the moment. So yes, Clash of the Titans. And I guess what we're looking at, uh, and we talk, uh, talk about this in previous podcasts, first mover advantage is the huge thing. You know, we talk about uh, the likes of uh, getting an Uber as opposed to a Lyft or Hola, or we talk about Netflix uh, and Stan versus some of the other streaming companies that have come in. Uh, these have dominated marketplaces by being the early mover, the first mover, and they've kind of owned that segment. And having kind of laid the road down, somebody else has now invented the car to drive across it. And this is, a, a, I think, a major crossroads as we start to see, um, you know, these, these titanic companies come into play. The T-Rex is alpha male, um, you know, supercharged uh, beast of uh, predatory instinct is is on deck and certainly dominating. When you think about dominating, we think Apple naturally, of course, biggest company in the world. Yeah. Not the first time they've done something like this they're about to share. You think about Fitbit, Fitbit watches, and then there were Garmin's, and now there's Apple watches, which is now arguably the most accepted you know, fitness watch. Yep. They're doing much the same in the buy now, pay later oh, space. Look Let's at the music that. industry, look at uh, TV, everything that they effectively put their mind to, they can dominate, uh, A, resource-wise. Uh, and I guess I'm a, uh, just having received delivery of my new MacBook today, uh, I'm a disciple of, uh, uh, of Apple insofar as I'm part of the cult too. But you know, their ease of use, simplicity, you know, everything talks to, each other and yes you pay more for it but do you care probably not and uh, and, and and their latest move of course into the Apple pay later the buy now pay later space has, has sort of ruffled a few feathers um, yeah and we've seen that uh, across the sort of industry leaders you know with Afterpay which is of course now part of Square or Block uh, we've seen the effect on Sizzle and also Klarna and these different companies um, you know the, the T-Rex in the space is there so let's, let's dive into it makes a lot of sense if you've got an iPhone the new way you just yeah. simply swipe right and then on Apple Pay, you've got four easy payments with interest-free. That's right. It's all budgeted, laid out for you. This payment's coming out on this date. It's, uh, it's pure Apple genius insofar as uh, making it easy, literally sliding the cursor to the right. But I guess where Apple has its uh, dominance is that 85% of retailers in the US already set up for Apple Pay. So they've got a gargantuan market share yeah, really before they even start, uh, giving them a tremendous tailwind. And again, you know, the, the companies that have been at the, the vanguard of, of building out that buy now, pay later space, um, you know, have, have created a market and, and they've seen that market and gone, OK, we'll have a slice of that. Thank you. So what would be the result in the stock market, AB, considering? Yeah, look, I mean, you take a look at, at Square uh, Block, um, which acquired Afterpay, and, and that was an interesting deal. I think it was, what, $38 billion, um, but it was done on the basis of a, a stock swap. Um, so when you look at what's actually happened to the price of, of SQ or Block's shares, you know, they've come down from a couple hundred bucks to about 80 
80 and change right now. That deal's really about a $12 billion deal now when you take into account the stock move. Um, did they pay too much for afterpay? Yes, I think they did. Um, you know, it's a, a business that doesn't make money uh, and uh, is, is a concept uh, which which is not cash generative. And so, yeah, they're going to have their own issues digesting that business. And Jack Dorsey, if anyone's going to do it, I'm sure it's him, uh, be able to turn that around into a success story, presumably by blending it with the, the synergies of you know, the, the Square technology for, for doing your transaction. But yeah, the, the waters, uh, far from being clearer, have just become rather muddied with uh, with the big guy in town coming in and saying, right, oh, we're here to play and, uh, and we're going to do it very well, as they typically do with most things. So yeah, that's going to exert a lot of pressure on the sector. Uh, you look at Klarna as another example, they laid off, I think, 10% of their workforce last month. So a lot of these companies are, are really struggling. And, and you have to remember, we've been through boom times in terms of consumer spending, and we're far from boom times now. So, you know, the, the vulnerabilities in those businesses already exposed in terms of, you know, slower consumer spending, more regulatory scrutiny, maybe a little bit of bad PR, um, none of which has really helped that sector. Um, and, and now, yeah, now you've got the big guy coming into play. Okay, so a question for you, AB. Mm. We're, we're in a situation in markets right now where we're monetary tightening, so yeah. interest rates are going up. The idea is to cool inflation and slow consumer spending. Mm. Why would a business like Apple, knowing that, mm. likely get into a business which is buy now, pay later? Is it the opportunity to take advantage of people having less money, therefore wanting to spend over periods of time? Look, there are, there are a number of lenses that you can look through, and if you if you are thinking in an altruistic way, it's to help people out by giving them the ability to, to spread payments, not in a payday uh, loan form, but perhaps in an interest-free uh, interest-free repayment system, um, you know, which engenders a lot of goodwill for people when they're struggling a little bit. But you know, at the same time, when you've got access to perhaps more money uh, than, than than you should, and I mean, have you on by now, pay later? I think has been more than more than covered through podcasts several times. You know, it's an unconscionable business. It's effectively predatory lending. If you look at it through those lenses, where you're encouraging people to buy things they technically can't afford uh, by by giving them a, a soft uh, and, and easy payment plan to work through are you helping them possibly not um, but you know <laughs> that that's where that sector kind of operates and I guess you know from Apple's perspective if consumer spending is slowing down and you've got the ability to help people continue their consumer spending but split it over for easy payments without it incurring any interest for them um, then you know through that lens then you're probably helping them uh, time will tell here to save the economy thank you Apple yeah, well, it's better than we're from the government. We're here to help. At least if you're with Apple, we're here to help. There's a chance that they may well deliver, but there we go. And they usually do, mm. being Apple. Uh, so, AB, let me talk about Clash of the Titans now moving moving swiftly on to streaming because mm. that, that's been a big area of growth yeah. recently. We talk about Niz, uh, Disney excuse me, versus Netflix. What's mm. the story there? Yeah, once again, you know, Netflix first mover advantage. And, yeah, Netflix is not a new business. It's been around for an awful long time. And, and for those with a decent memory, you probably recall seeing the vending machines at shopping centres and bus stations and train stations where, you know, you, you put your membership card in, you got your DVD, you watched it, you had to post it back. And then when they received the DVD, you got a credit to, to, to access another another one for the month kind of thing. That was that was how its model used to be. Wow, yeah. that's so archaic. So, isn't it? so, it's, so it's been around for a while. It's not, not 
by any stretch a new kid on the block and its dominant stake i think in the in the streaming space is 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 yeah what it has been first mover it's been the dominant force in there and yes there are lots more uh um smaller uh, let's call them amora fish you know the little fish that swim next to a shark yeah it's kind of been a bit like that uh for, for netflix and they've had an incredible um you know subscriber growth 322 million subscribers globally uh, i think their subscriber growth for the previous quarter was about 8.3 million new subscribers which is tremendous now the flip side their results weren't great they, they'd lost a lot of subscribers through the conflict and the embargoes uh, for example with russia doing business with russia but the real pressure i think is really starting to come from disney and we pointed this out again some time ago when you get a company like disney which which is again an apex predator in its space now don't get me wrong disney isn't necessarily a mean or nasty business it is the dominant force because it owns all of the content and in the past disney has fed its content to netflix um and and that deal terminated quite some time ago as as disney started to embark on its own uh, streaming business disney plus and and you think of the the range and breadth of title that disney have so obviously you've got disney you've got things like Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction with Miramax. Um, you've got Lucas Films uh, for the Star Wars type. You've got Toy Story and all the animated stuff in there as well. Um, and, and, and just about everything in between 21st Century Fox, the back catalogue there. So Disney's got this vast, vast catalogue of, of, of content that it can stream. But it's also got that track record and history of being a production line for new movies too. So it's constantly adding to its stable so when it decided to move into the streaming space again somebody else has sort of paved the way and, and started a new type of business and they've obviously sat back a little uh, and, and watched to see if this is a, a sort of fad or whether it's something that's got legs clearly it's more than got legs it's the way we all consume content now uh, and um, and they've gone right time for us to get in and, and if you look at the sort of unbelievable velocity of subscriber acquisition that they've had um you know we talked of netflix in the previous quarter added 8.3 million subscribers disney added 11.8 million new subscribers over the same time frame that's crazy um you know they're, 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 they're big numbers and and whilst it's it's currently sitting at about 130 million subscribers on its platform um their intention by 2024 is to be at or past the netflix level and i'd say they're well on trajectory for that that caused a lot of um I guess, turmoil in that sector. Um, we've spoken previously about budgeting, actually, where people have got lazy subscriptions. You know, it's only five bucks a month here or 13 there or 25 for this or that. And, you know, all of a sudden you've got several monthly subscriptions to, to streaming services. As we're going into a tightening phase within the economy, you will start to see people cut back on some of those unnecessary expenses that they have as they're trying to make their budget balance. And um, and I think, you know, Disney, with its breadth of content, is probably the last place uh, that you're going to cut content or, or a subscription because of what, it, what it's able to offer. So it's got the ability to exert tremendous pressure. And because its business isn't just we're a streaming provider, that's just a facet of Disney's business. You've got, you know, obviously, movies, You've got theme parks and hotels, plus much more merchandising Retail, yeah. uh, and everything else that goes around it. This is just one element of its business. So it's just added on a vast revenue line to its already bemoth business. Really smart. And and hence why it's hence why it's a titan in its sector. And if you're the likes of Netflix or Stan, look, Netflix is big enough to weather the storm. There's no question about that. Um, 
but you know it is a competitive sector now and 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 that means that you've got to be more aware from a price value um presentation to the consumer you know you've seen netflix for example tighten up on password sharing which is usually a good early sign which again we've spoken about this previously but it's a really good early sign of a company that's trying to manage its cash flow more carefully and and stop any any leakage i suppose within its revenue lines and uh, and if you've got disney chomping at your heels that's probably not a bad policy to have Totally. So to think about this from a stock market's perspective, mm. AB, if you had to pick which, which business, either Disney or Netflix, that you'd be buying, yeah. noting Disney owns its own films, Netflix doesn't, of course, which mm. one would you be? Yeah, look, I mean, for, from a number of reasons, not just in terms of the origination of content, you look at the sort of multiples that the businesses trade on. Um, you know, Netflix has traditionally been on a very high multiple. In high inflation environments, companies that are on high multiples get punished, which we've already seen. Um, Disney has always had a pretty dependable uh, revenue line, earnings line, dividend line, uh, and so is a far more conservative company that's added high-tech streaming as part of its business rather than that's its operation in its totality. So I think Disney is a significantly lower risk play. Um, again, you know, Netflix isn't isn't going anywhere. It's going to be able to ride the storm out, but it's now got competitive pressure that it didn't previously have at a time in the market where where perhaps you know people are being a bit more um, careful and circumspect as to where they spend their money. So you know, I'd back Disney in that fight any day of the week. All right. Well, I'd love to hear from our listeners too, by the way, before we move on comment below how many streaming services that you have and what they are. I think we're going to see multiple each comment. You know, I was just thinking while we're having this conversation, how many we've got in our household. And how many? I think we're probably, probably five or six, I would think. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. Probably five or six. When you add that up per month for the average household, that's, mm. you know, 50 bucks a month or something like that, right? Mm. All adds up. And in this time where, you know, again, people are watching the bottom line, um, that might be an area that people cut back a little bit on. Indeed. Now, moving forwards and swiftly on AB to another topic of money, but someone who probably doesn't need any more of that, and that's Elon Musk mm. with the Twitter slash Tesla acquisition merger, which you'd call it. <laughs> yeah, look, uh, th- this one, I think, is a, is a huge shakeup uh, on on so many different levels. And, and again, when you've got, you know, the ultimate apex predator and titan of titans if you will which is uh, guy in the world which is guy in the world for a reason uh, this is without listing spacex imagine when he's listed that what what the potential number could look like um you know it, it, it's high time i think that some of the social media platforms were called into line and we've got a love-hate relationship with facebook obviously we're quite <laughs> quite active on there from a business perspective and it can be incredibly frustrating and you know you see the number of fake accounts and people spamming um your web uh, your, your facebook page and things like that and and it almost seems that you know facebook as an organization is is, is they don't care because the the number of users they've got on there whether they're fake or real is probably good for the business to be seen and i think you know bringing that into into line with the elon musk story you know the offer to buy to buy twitter for um, was it f- uh, fifty-four dollars a share? Yeah, fifty-four twenty, something like that. Right? Um, which yeah was a big number, and we've seen the tech sector come off quite heavily. That now looks like a very generous uh, number to offer up, and I think the the strategy that that perhaps Musk is playing is that let's see if we can get a better deal. Uh, and the avenue they're going down is to say, well, what we offered to buy for fifty-four bucks a share isn't what we thought it was because the number of fake accounts on Twitter are far more, or we believe them to be far more than the five percent or so that you're claiming. It's probably more like twenty, right? Well, if you take Joe Biden as an example, fifty percent of Joe Biden's Twitter followers are fake accounts; they're bots. Did he buy them himself to ramp up his numbers? Maybe his son did with the money that he got from <laughs> Russia. Who knows? But that was on his laptop that didn't exist. But let's not get buried into right. uh, into conspiracy theories. You've got to read the New York Post for that, New York Times. Um, 
you know, the reality is that um, anyone that's got any experience with social media knows that there are huge numbers of bots that are out there doing various things for various reasons. Uh, and, and what is done by you know, flagging this is, is really shine, shining a light uh, on the bushel that, that these platforms that claim to have billions of subscribers, are those numbers bona fide? Are they real subscribers or users and active, actively engaged people on that platform? And in the case of Twitter, I think the case is no, but also that's a very good lever for Musk to use to drive the price down and maybe get a more attractive deal. He, he, he may end up walking away, and I'm sure there'll be a breakup fee, a billion dollars or so, uh, in terms of a breakup fee for walking away from that deal, but it would make you know big commercial sense to walk away from it. Or, knowing what his sort of business uh, personality has been like to fight his corner and, and and stand up for if you want freedom of speech you want a level of transparency that's Fight. what he wants to bring to Twitter but if we're going to talk about transparency be honest about the subscribers that you have on the platform and let's cut the junk out open the books let's see how many of them are robots and, 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 and then we can revalue the business accordingly and that's going to be an interesting one to see how it plays out because that will set a benchmark I think that's got the potential to re uh, revalue and reappraise market valuations on not just obviously Twitter, uh, but a number of the other platforms that are there uh, in the social media world as well. Uh, and you know, that that could have some fairly significant ramifications on on share prices, obviously. So in the stock market, ABs, we come to the conclusion of today's episode. Would you be trading either stock, Tesla, or Twitter at this stage? Not at this stage. Um, I mean, my, my strategy over the last sort of four or five months has been, I'm not going to say defensive, but has been more special situations orientated. I've certainly not been in tech. Uh, I've got Currently, I've got a short tech play running. I've got a short NASDAQ position running as we speak, um, but more towards you know, trading volatility, trading interest rates, trading energy prices, uh, because, you know, this is the first time for an awful long time where we've seen, you know, we've seen for you know, the last 10 years, you know, the stock market outperformed commodities, but now we're in a, a commodities outperformed stocks environment. So I'm positioned to to exploit that when the dust settles a little bit uh, maybe have another look at some of the value that's in tech uh, because there are some great businesses in there as we've spoken of previously um, but they're massively um, overvalued in some instances particularly if you know from a user perspective more than five percent maybe less than 50 percent somewhere in between 25 percent of the people on the platform could be bots which effectively has given you a 25 percent overvaluation on a business so yeah interesting times Indeed, we've discussed a few battles today, AB, and also some potential friendships. Are there any final words you'd like to cap us off with today? I wonder if you could buy Twitter and four easy payments using Apple Pay. That'd be pretty cool, <laughs> wouldn't it? Yeah, 20 billion a month for the next few months. Something like that. Interesting times. But no, when, when you see the sort of numbers thrown around and the, and the, the actual size of the organisations that are involved in these tussles, as I say, for us mere mortals on the sideline, you know, we, we, we watch in awe at these moves and audacious as they are, particularly, I think, in terms of Apple's move into that space where it's like, thank you. Yeah, well, I think we'll have that uh, into our stable in, in just the same way that Disney has done it. Probably, um, I guess, you know, a lot of the last few years has been focused on particularly tech entrepreneurs. And, and when you see these older school businesses, and I'm including Apple as an older school business. It's been around. In that it's been around since the 70s that, um, you know, these mature companies, you can teach an old dog new tricks. Maybe that's something you can help me with. I'm sure I can help you with that, AB. Thank you very much. How's that for a segue to finish on? Absolutely. Way better than mine. Maybe I need to do some learning off you. Good stuff. There you have it, guys. Make sure you give us a review and a rating, and we'll look forward to hosting you next week.